For the minimum viable vision, we've set it as a one-year vision. And the reason that we do that is because when you eliminate decision points, you facilitate continuous flow. So rather than having you guys have to spend a whole session deciding how long should this vision be, what time frame, we're just saying right from the get-go, you are going to get an incredible amount of impact and you're going to be able to create great results with focusing on this one-year time horizon. Welcome to Want to Work There, a podcast that explores what really makes a company a great place to work. I'm your host, Jill Falska, and together we'll explore not only what goes into building a great company culture, but also exactly how to implement those best practices within your own workplace. If you're here, you believe that a better world of work is possible, and I can't wait to build it together. Let's go. Friends, we are back again with Lois Weinblatt, who is the founder of True North Visionaries. Now, many of you, I'm sure, heard Lois talk on the last episode about vision, and you know that there was so many amazing nuggets in our conversation that we didn't even get time to touch on FAQs, which I know I had quite a few questions when I first learned about this concept from Lois, and I'm guessing that you guys do as well. So if you didn't listen to the first episode, go back, take a listen. If you did, know that we're going to dive even further today into the topic and make sure that you guys are all set up for success when you do your own vision inside your organization. So with that, Lois, welcome back. I am so grateful that you're taking even more time to talk with us about vision. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. I'm ecstatic to be back and so, so, so looking forward to diving, like you said, even more deeply into this topic. I love it. So just as like a baseline, before we do dive in a little bit more, can you just refresh us? What is your definition of vision? Totally. So when I think of vision, I think of your organization's definition of success at a specific point in the future. And we're going to be elaborating a lot more on what that means as we continue on with FAQs. Yes. In the time that I've spent with it, I love thinking of it as sort of like putting yourself into the future. So it's this exact definition of success at a specific point in the future. If you could bing yourself into the future and be standing in your organization at that period of time, one year, three or five years from now, what would that feel like? What would you see, hear, smell, learn, all of those things? And that is why I love it. One of the things that you gifted my team and I when we had our completed vision was this concept of, does this get me closer to or further away from the vision? Is that something you can just elaborate on a little bit more? Most definitely. It's really about creating a filter within your organization to help us, like you said, really understand with all the things coming our way, which are real opportunities and which are sort of distractions disguised as opportunities. And when we use that lens of, is this, is this initiative, is this project, is this change within our organization, whatever it might be, big or small, is this really at the end of the day going to get us closer to our definition of success at that specific point in the future or farther away, it allows us to really kind of zoom out from that one specific decision point and ask ourselves a bigger question. And when we do that, it helps us kind of activate that long-term thinking, that long-term perspective, instead of just being super caught up in the short-term gains. And so what happens is that we get to a point within our team where we have even more discipline 
we're saying we're not just going to sacrifice our long-term vision for the short-term gain. We're really going to ask ourselves that critical question when we come up against these different decision points and we're going to let that help us navigate through them. I mean, we used it all the time in meetings. You nailed it. It's so easy to get caught up in whatever the fire is that week or that day or in that meeting. And it was a really good tool for us to sort of step back and, like you said, get pulled more into, okay, in the long term, does this get us closer to you? We're further away from that vision that we're headed towards. So we didn't get to touch on it last time. It's one of, I think, my favorite sort of tools that I came away with after we did the vision. And I wanted to make sure that we shared that gift with everybody else. So thank you for kind of recapping that. Yes. And it actually, it made me think of something else, which is a phrase I use a lot. And I know one that you'll remember as well. But it's the idea that when we have the visionary mindset, we're really focused on moving towards what we do want instead of away from what we don't want. And that's another perspective, another reframe that we can bring into our leadership teams. We can use individually for ourselves and we can absolutely use with our teams to say, let's take a step back. Let's pump the brakes. Is our entire discussion right now just based on everything that we don't want? Because we're really good at describing that. We could talk for days about everything we don't want. But if we stay stuck in that, then we're going to end up making decisions from a very reactive place. If we can shift and say, okay, we get it. I get that there's lots of things that we don't want, but what do we want? What do we actually want? When we shift the conversation to that, it is incredible to see how the conversation changes. And then we're making much more proactive decisions. But you know, it's the idea. If you ask different questions, you get different answers and as leaders, one of the best skills that we can develop is getting better and better at asking ourselves better questions, our team better questions. And instead of just making statement after statement after statement, really asking each other more and more clarifying questions to understand each other better than just hold on to our position and repeat it again and again and again. I think that might be reason number 174 that people should have a vision within their organization. (laughs) I feel like we are the biggest champions of all time. You obviously, but me, I'm on the bandwagon. I am number one fan. So we talked a little bit last time and people were able to go and access a downloadable resource around creating their own minimum viable vision. And I wanted us to just really quickly take a walk through what that exercise looks like so that if people are curious what it is they'd be getting if they went and downloaded, what it would look like, what the process would be. They have a little bit of a sense. So can you just explain a little bit further what a minimum viable vision is? For sure. And it was really fun coining that term with you because, you know, we're all about that sort of lean thinking. So again, we really sat down and thought about, we understand what this full process can look like, but we wanted you guys to really be able to walk away with something that could guide your thinking in this visionary way to really wind up with something that your organization can truly use as a decision-making tool, you know, to help you navigate moving forward. So that document, we kind of put it together as really a set of guidelines. And as I was going through and again, thinking about how to distill that full process into the minimum viable vision, it's all about really thinking through four different sessions that you're going to have with your team. Now, you know your team best. You know the size of your team. You know, are you guys all in person? Are you hybrid? Are you fully remote? Do you guys like to be in person? Are you totally good brainstorming when you're all in different places? You know your team best in terms of 
how you want to structure these four sessions if you want them to be all at once and sort of do that offsite day or if you want to split them up over four weeks or more. So just know that you really get to, to take that pulse and understand what's going to work best for your team. But knowing that you have these kind of four different segments, again, you can kind of bucket your thinking into, okay, when we get together for the first time, this is our focus. Second time, this is our focus, etc. Each of those areas of focus really maps back to what we were talking about in the first episode, which is this idea that before we can even begin to think about where we're going, we've got to understand how we got to where we are. Then we've got to really take stock of where we are now. And only then are we really ready to look into the future and really understand what that future state looks like. So the first part, that first session is really about uncovering how did we get to where we are? What has been our trajectory organizationally and individually? And in that download, you're going to see several different questions that you can use as thought starters with your team. And as you go through those questions with your team, one of the biggest things that I'm going to really challenge and encourage you to do is to focus on coming at those questions from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. And when I say judgment, I don't just mean judgment of everyone else. I mean judgment of yourself. And the leader of the organization is it's going to be so critical that that leader really models that behavior. Speed of the leader, speed of the group, culture of the leader, culture of the group, right? The perspective and the perception of that leader is going to really filter down through the group. So especially because these conversations bring up really charged topics and people get really passionate about them, it's very normal to start to feel yourself getting into that judgmental space. And that's normal. We're human beings. But again, that's a great opportunity to kind of a cue to ourselves to say, okay, all right, let me take a step back. What's going on here? What's going to be so riled up? And how can I bring some more curiosity to it? Because that's how we're going to get into the really, really juicy stuff. So again, that first session, the questions in the first session are all to really help us understand what are those patterns in our trajectory and what impact have those patterns had? We talked about this a little bit in the, the last episode as well, but the idea of we're looking at it as it is, not how we want it to have gone. We're not trying to gloss over anything. We're really sort of, again, taking that neutral, curious perspective on it and gathering and creating that shared perspective and understanding. Then once you all have done that together, then you can move into that second session. And you'll see, again, another list of questions where it really helps the group take stock of where things really are at now. And one of the questions I fondly refer to as Operation Dumbo Drop, and that's the elephants in the room conversation. But it's a time for us to say, look, come on, in any human dynamic, personal or professional, there are going to be those things that we're all thinking about, but we've never talked about together. Maybe onesies, twosies have talked about them, or maybe we're all between the lines kind of talking about them without actually talking about them. So knowing that that's going to happen, knowing that we're going to have time and space for that question makes it okay to bring those things to the surface. And once somebody breaks the ice with that, it keeps coming. Now, I will just say one caveat. If you're listening to this and thinking that would derail us for five months if we started to talk about elephants in the room, just know that when you create that kind of environment of coming at it from curiosity rather than judgment, it's not about creating a bitch fest. It's really not. People come at it from a much more mature way where they say, hey, we've got this time, we've got this space, we have a limited amount of time together, we've got lots of other questions, but here's a time for us to really be open, honest, candid with each other and have some of those important discussions. So just know, I've never seen that go off the rails in the times that I've done that. And I think this is a, a good 
inflection point too. This is a DIY version of this activity. Usually a facilitator, Lois is facilitating this. And there is a skill to facilitation. There absolutely is. We know you can do this exercise internally in your organization on your own. But if you know that this is going to be a particularly tense activity for the group, then find an outside facilitator, bring Lois in. There is nothing wrong with doing that as well. But this will give you the structure either way. So if you feel like the group is ready for it to just do it internally, amazing. If you feel like, you know what, we need someone to sort of be that guiding light for us, then bring someone in. And that's okay. But know the team dynamics before you start the activity. Absolutely. And I also have connected with teams who, you know, have somebody that they've worked with for years or a coach on staff or whatever that might be. And that's a great time, like you said. If you're not necessarily able to bring someone for the full process, that might be a great time to bring, you know, that person that you have a relationship with or that person on your training team or whatever it might be to kind of facilitate that. So know also as you're listening to this that it doesn't have to be all or nothing facilitated or completely DIY. You can find, you know, what works best for you. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Jill. For the minimum viable vision, we've set it as a one-year vision. And the reason that we do that is because when you eliminate decision points, you facilitate continuous flow. So rather than having you guys have to spend a whole session deciding how long should this vision be, what time frame, we're just saying right from the get-go, you are going to get an incredible amount of impact and you're going to be able to create great results with focusing on this one-year time horizon. So as you think about the non-negotiables, it's within that time frame. Not the non-negotiables for five years from now. What are our absolute non-negotiables, our lines in the sand, are no matter what for one year from today? And then in the fourth session, you'll see a process to kind of help you distill down that brainstorm around non-negotiables and put it into a format that really helps you kind of get a vision on paper without feeling like, oh my goodness, now I'm going to have to spend weeks trying to figure out how to wordsmith something or turn it into multiple pages. It really just kind of gives you a bit of a fill in the blank, Mad Libs-esque kind of format. And so that you guys can just use that as a starting point and know that if nothing else, you're going to walk out with a really, really powerful distilled set of non-negotiables that again, kind of map back to the different pillars that we talked about in the last episode, that one pillar being kind of the overall growth and evolution of the company. What are the non-negotiables there? What are the non-negotiables for the product and or the service? What are the non-negotiables for the team and the culture? So that way, you know, you've kind of covered all the bases and it allows you then to either say, great, let's use this as is. You don't have to add fancy graphics. You don't have to make it look beautiful. I've actually had teams where I work with my designer and I can make it in their look and feel and add the images and all of that. And some teams absolutely love that. And some teams say, you know what? We actually really just like the black and white ink on paper, printed off PDF. For our team, that feels more like this is a living, breathing, working document. I have a copy of it crumpled up and it's stuck into my briefcase and I bring it in every day or it's on my desk. So again, know that there's no barrier feeling like you have to make it look beautiful before you disseminate it out to people. But also know that that kind of structure with those non-negotiables, then if you decide that you do want to create something a little bit more like a narrative, then that gives you your outline to do that. So either way, you're kind of set for where you want to take it from there. And again, knowing you, knowing your leadership team, you'll have a good sense of what to do at that point. That's a perfect reminder. I think it's just an understanding that you're going to have a final version that you can utilize. And if you want to take it further, you can. But this is, like we said, the minimum viable version. So... Thank you for giving the walkthrough. I think hopefully that is helpful for people who either downloaded the activity already or thinking about doing it, just sort of understanding what that looks like and what they'll get. 
Does Lois have you all fired up about creating a new vision for your organization? While you can and absolutely should work with her directly to do just that, this show is all about providing DIY steps that allow you to do the work yourself. So for the first time ever, Lois has built and is providing a guide to do just that, an exclusive resource created just for listeners of the podcast. Head to wanttoworkthere.com backslash resources to download your very own step-by-step guide to creating your own MVV or minimum viable vision. The resource is absolutely free and will give you everything you need to create an MVV for your organization. Again, you can find it at wanttoworkthere.com backslash resources. All right, now back to the show. I did want to circle back. You know, I know last time we sort of touched on and talked about this inverted pyramid concept of going out to the entire company and then coming back in and starting the process. And I wanted to sort of touch on that in terms of the MVV process. Is that included? Is that something that they need to be thinking about? Or are they just moving straight into the steps? Great question. I would say this is, again, something that you can sort of get a pulse on with your leadership team. So I mentioned survey questions, for instance. If you have a a small team and it feels like that's doable, absolutely, you can send out a survey with questions that, again, really speak to each one of those sessions. You can pull one of the questions that you like most from each session, and and literally there you have your four-question survey. So if that feels doable, fantastic. But what I would recommend is if you feel like this is going to be a big barrier to entry for us to do a whole survey and get all the compilation and you just already can feel yourself overwhelmed or like under a stack of virtual papers just thinking about this, it is also okay to remind yourself that, again, this is the minimum viable vision and going into this process with your leadership team, even if you don't do a full-blown survey, can still be really powerful. What I feel like typically happens in these scenarios is that Because you and the leadership team have already gone through and thought through those questions, you inevitably start to have those questions with the rest of your team, even if it's not in a formalized survey. So, you know, it's the idea that we're not keeping it in a silo. We're not doing this process in a silo. And again, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Now, for that first session, in terms of how do we get where we are and where we are now, if you do want to bring in more people, that's where I would recommend bringing in more people. Because sometimes those conversations can feel a little bit more doable with a larger amount of people. We're getting just lots of ideas onto paper. We're creating that shared understanding. When you get into a little bit more of distilling the non-negotiables, sometimes it feels a little bit more doable to have a smaller group for that. Just because again, if you're facilitating it internally, then it can start to feel like a lot to get everyone's voices heard and distilled. So just when it's in sort of more of that brainstorming, getting thoughts out phase, I think that can be really valuable to bring more people in. And again, as you're listening to this, if you feel like this would be a really big departure from what you've already done, or if you feel like you have people within the organization who are looking to you and saying, we just want to know where this ship is headed. We're ready to go, but please just like, where are we really going? Then it also makes a lot of sense for you guys to come together and really work on that and then bring it back to them. I've worked with organizations who said, we we're being really intentional about not bringing everyone in because they've literally been asking us. So it's, we need to step up. We really need to get clear and then we need to bring it back to them. And I've had other organizations who said, no, absolutely. Now that we've 
kind of get the concept of the inverted pyramid, we definitely want to bring everyone in. So this is where you you know your organization best and you're going to have a good sense of sort of those touch points to bring people in. The end of the day, it all comes back to culture. It is understanding your own culture and how things get done within your organization and what's going to work. So that makes complete sense to me. We've touched on now, okay, we're excited, we're ready, this is awesome. What if you are the only one who is excited and ready and thinks this is awesome? Do you have any tips for bringing this to a leadership team or bringing this to a CEO and trying to sort of get that buy-in? Yes, yes, and yes. So there's kind of a few different scenarios. Let's say you are part of a leadership team who you know is open, you know they thrive on that candid conversation and debate, but you guys never really had a process, right? You're like, which makes sense. You are really good at doing the thing that you do. That doesn't automatically mean you just know how to go through a visioning process. So also know if that's you, that's so normal, right? Again, your expertise is in what you do. And I think sometimes leaders feel a little bit like, maybe I should just know how to do this. I promise you, you're not born with this, right? It really is a process that can be helpful to take a look at, just like so many other things in our organizations. So if you know you just have that culture within your team, I absolutely say, and this is not just because I love Jill and I love this podcast, but I think one of those ways, it's kind of like that third-party validation, right? To just say, hey, you know, just take a listen to this podcast. You're not even saying, and I think we should do this thing or printing out 8 million copies and distributing them of the minimum viable vision. That's a great way just to kind of get people thinking about the topic on their own time, in their own way. Everyone learns differently. Everyone processes differently. So I would start there. And then at your next leadership team, have a few minutes on the agenda. Say, hey, just what came up for you? What did you think about that? then they will all have also heard about this process. And again, knowing them, you might feel like, okay, guys, like, do we think we're ready to dive into this? Okay, let's do it. On the other side of the spectrum, you may feel like you are literally the only one on your team who would even touch this with a 10-foot pole. So if that is you, there's a few different ways to go about it. One is to recognize that the amount of time and energy and effort that you would put in to try to push someone into doing this process is just going to make you feel like you're going down a black hole of nothingness. And instead, turning that energy inwards and saying, you know what, I still have the ability to go through these questions myself or with my own team, you know, within that organization and really think through this. And maybe I'm able to share some of those ideas, more fully formed ideas with my leadership team without necessarily calling them a vision. Because literally sometimes companies have had really bad experiences where they've had a super expensive consultant come in. Oh yeah, we did mission vision values a few years ago and we have the PowerPoint and it's gathering dust. And like, I don't even want to think about that again. So if you know there's even just kind of those triggering words or phrases, then it can be helpful just to say, hey, you know what, I started thinking about kind of where we're headed. Just couching it in those terms can immediately kind of release a pressure gauge that would otherwise be automatically turned on by kind of using some of these buzzwords. So know that if you're feeling like that, you can really start to think through a lot of these on your own and then just sort of bring them up in your the course of your natural conversations with your leadership team and see, kind of get that warmer, colder. Are people starting to engage in the, with those conversations and ideas or are they totally turned off by them? And I think the other thing too is to recognize that it's not always what we want to realize, but sometimes we realize that this team is maybe never going to get there. And so again, that doesn't stop us from 
really gaining clarity on what our definition of success is for our role or our department, and that we can still strive for and work towards that vision becoming a reality. We don't just have to resign ourselves to saying, well, because the whole organization is going to have a vision, then I'm just stuck. Right? You're not. You're absolutely not. I get that there can be more tension and more frustration there, but you're not stuck. You have this resource you can move through on your own or with a smaller team and continue to move forward. Now, the last thing I'll say is if you're somewhere in the middle and what I would do there is I would, again, without necessarily printing out the worksheets or whatever it might be, I would just start to say, hey, my thought is we've started to have some people on the team really ask where we're headed or, hey, I know this team has kind of we haven't had as much structure on our leadership team meetings because we're not really sure what are we measuring against this? What are we measuring against? What is our decision-making filter? I realize we kind of don't have that. So I'm wondering if maybe we can even have, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the next few leadership team meetings where we can just start to talk about some of these things. And again, since we're not saying, hey, I'm going into a very structured process and we're going to come out with this specific thing, it can allow people just to feel a little bit more comfortable to have those conversations without feeling like they have to wrap their minds around this whole concept that may seem very foreign within your organization. Thank you for giving the spectrum because... We all have different periods in our life where we've been in that situation. Sometimes it feels like, you know, this is a pretty easy win. I could get people on board. And then we have times when it feels like climbing Everest and we're never going to get there. And I have to say, I don't know who else needed to hear it, but I needed to hear (laughs) that sometimes the better option is if you really know you're not going to get there, how can you turn it around and focus it inward or focus it on your team? Because like you said, spinning your wheels after a certain point, that is just energy lost. And how can you sort of refocus that energy in a way that's productive? So thank you. I needed to hear that. I have a feeling someone else did as well. Yes. And there's like just a couple other pieces on on that too that I think are critical is that depending on if you are the CEO, the founder, whatever your title is, and you're listening to this and you can feel your shoulders going up to your ears and you can feel that prickle, like, I don't want to touch this. I don't, this just freaks me out. Then I would ask you to really think about where is that resistance coming from and really try to break it down. And that's hugely valuable just to have that internal conversation. If you have a really close relationship with whoever the leader of the organization is, and you can tell that they have a lot of resistance, then rather than trying to force them or push them into visioning, it can be really helpful just to have that be sort of a little ongoing conversation to really kind of unpack, not to use a buzzword, but kind of unpack that resistance and see where that's coming from. Again, sometimes that will reveal, oh, we've had a bad experience in the past. And again, that's them making a decision based on what they don't want. I don't want that again, so I'm not going to do it again. Well, what do you want? I want an organization that's innovative and forward thinking and that we can attract people to. Oh, okay. Well, how would we get there? I guess we would really know where we were going. Interesting. I have a way we could do that. So sometimes just helping them reframe can be helpful. But the last thing I'll say about this is I remember getting on a call once with a CEO and a COO and the COO, I felt like he was doing like the blink twice if you need help. I felt like he was blinking twice. (laughs) And it was so clear that he was like, oh my gosh, we need this so bad. And the CEO was just totally nonplussed. He just didn't buy it. And I just ended the, I mean, we were on there for like five minutes and I was like, you know what? It just doesn't seem like this is going to make sense. Because at the end of the day, if the CEO isn't all, and I mean all freaking in, then the entire process is going to be undermined from the start, no matter how excited their second in command is. 
everything is going to flow from the perspective, from the energy for how that CEO or that founder leader shows up. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I think there's probably like six more episodes that I'm going to need to have in the future on all this alignment and team dynamics and leadership team dynamics, because it is such a thing to navigate on its own. But thank you for the wise, wise advice that you could share just around this process, because I think it's applicable here, but it's also applicable to a lot of other things when it comes to team dynamics. So really, really helpful. Now, say they have gone through the process. They've gone through, they've got sort of their final output from the minimum viable vision guidelines. What do they do with it then at that point? How do they take that forward? How do they activate it? Yes. So when we think about rolling that vision back out to the team, what I always think of is this idea that we want to kind of take them on a journey with us. It's one thing just to put a vision in front of them and say, okay, here's where we're going without any background knowledge, without any context. So rather than just kind of putting it in front of them without any context, it can be really helpful to walk them through and help them understand how we got to this document because just creating that context helps them feel like they're part of it. And some of them will have literally been a part of it in those sessions. And some of them may have gotten a survey and some of them, they may have gotten an email, hey, we're going to start thinking about where we're headed or heard about it in all hands. This is going to be kind of maybe the second time they've even heard that this is a thing. And let's be honest, half of them will have forgot, even if you did mention it in all hands. So at that point, what I like to say is, all right, so we started this process by really thinking about how we got to where we are. And then we take kind of a mini amount of time. We do kind of a mini session one. And when I say mini, I mean like 10 minutes, eight minutes, you know, where we're really kind of bringing back some of the biggest themes about how we got to where we are. And oftentimes I'll invite people from the larger team to come up and say, share some of the perspectives you have from this time frame within the company when it just started. And then share, you know, you kind of came in in the middle, help us understand what it was like then. Somebody who's the newest eyes on the organization started two days ago, help us understand. And, you know, you can really see everyone in the room literally leaning in And there's so much, you know, that person who's coming up to share a little bit, even if it's 30 seconds or 60 seconds of them sharing their perspective, their shoulders go back, their chin goes a little bit up. They're really proud to be able to share from their perspective. And it's insanely, insanely valuable. So just in that, instead of just talking at them, we're bringing them in right from the start. Then we're helping them understand here were then the biggest things that came up when we talked about where we are now. This is also a great opportunity to, I don't want to say get some respect points, but sometimes in an organization, if there has been an elephant in the room or there was a really big miss on an initiative or a project or a rollout of whatever it might have been, and we just haven't ever really, really addressed it, then saying, hey guys, we really took a look at where we are and we realized that one of the patterns in our past, we've kept going in our current state and this was the the result of it. and you know, when we came to it from a point of curiosity, we realized X, Y, and Z. And I think so much is gained by letting the rest of the organization know we were willing to go there. We were willing to talk about these things. We were really willing to dissect it a little bit without just coming at it in frustration and judgment and pointing fingers. Then oftentimes that helps everyone in the room just feel like, okay, this like might actually be a turning point towards something a little bit different than just another set of KPIs that came out last year or last quarter. And then from there, we talk about after understanding how we got to where we are, where we are now, then we really started to look into 
where we are headed. And again, describing a sentence or two about what that process was. We really thought about this one-year time horizon. We thought about what were our lines in the sand, our non-negotiables. We brainstormed a bunch. We came down to these specific distilled non-negotiables that we felt were really critical, that we felt like really, really would not just show us where we had gotten or put a metric or a number, but really showed us the evidence that we had gotten to where we wanted to go. So then what I always have everyone do is we, if it's virtual, everyone has a copy. If it's in person, everyone has a copy. Then I go around and have different people, not the leadership team. I have other people on the team read those out. And if it's, you know, a full narrative vision, we pick people ahead of time. So just so they kind of know, hey, I've got this paragraph. I've got this one. If it's your nine non-negotiables, it's okay to have them do it right on the spot. It's also okay if you want to say, hey, I'd love for you to read these three or whatever. And what I recommend is the people who are going to be reading are those people who you know are influencers within your organization. And that has nothing to do with title. So Jill, you know, and I know you could do five episodes on this, right? There are people within your organization who really do have a lot of positive influence on their peers. Of course, there can be ones who have negative influence as well. Whole different story. But if you just know, hey, you know, there's this one person in XYZ department that when they bring something up, people just follow it. They get excited. Then what an amazing opportunity to recognize that person by having them read this part of the vision. And then by hearing it, other people are going to automatically feel like there's some more credibility to it as well. And then what I always do is say, so what came up for you? What resonated with you most? And again, if we ask different questions, we get different answers. If you say, what's your feedback? Then you might get people who are like, oh, well, you could have changed this word or I would have used a different sentence. If you ask what resonated with you most, they're already attuned to thinking, oh, what resonated with me most? You know, what kind of made me feel it the most? What kind of jumped out on the page? And then you start to hear that from people in the organization, which can be really, really exciting. Again, there's there's so much more that you can add on to that rollout. You can break out into groups. You can have people do individual work on their own vision and how that aligns, et cetera. But just like visioning, it's like an accordion. You can stretch it out into a really, really comprehensive rollout, or you can accordion it down and say, hey, we've got an hour, you can totally do this in an hour. Is it going to be quick? Absolutely. But you can 100% make it happen. Again, it's not how much time you spend recapping each of those different pieces of the process. It's that you do recap them and that you give people a chance to come back in, share their thoughts, share what resonated, share what came up at different points throughout that. And then the next piece is like you said, it's critical that you don't just get a big whoop, whoop, cool, like, what do I do with this now, right? Because then everyone just feels like, okay, do I just write my notes on the back of the sheet of paper that you just gave me? Does it go in the recycling bin? Like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this thing? Then it's really critical for the organization to start talking about the fact that you're going to notice that we're rolling out our KPIs for this quarter, and you're going to see that there's a direct line from those goals, metrics, whatever it is, to the vision, Or we have our individual kickoffs with your directs and managers, and you're going to see that part of that conversation is about where you see yourself in that vision and aligning it. Or, you know, the leadership team, right, whatever it is, it's really critical to help them see how this is going to be part of their everyday life and not just, like you said in the last episode, which I loved, not just that thing that's on a slide that they see once a year at the annual kickoff or the cocktail party where it's just like on a weird slideshow that, you know, only... 10% of the people are looking at maybe 8% of the time. 10%, 8% of the time. Love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think the beauty of the work that you do 
is your commitment to bringing people along because there is no greater validation than when someone feels like they've been included. And I think that piece of bringing this to your team is going to be one of the most important aspects of this activity. I know for us, when we did this as a company, it was absolutely incredible to hear from employees that had been there for many, many years and to hear them sort of reminisce on how things were, what things happened, where we are. And it was probably one of the most bonding things that we ever did as a company. And it wasn't cheesy. (laughs) So I feel like that is an additional piece of this that people can gain when they roll this out and really get people starting to think about not only what the vision is moving forward, but how did we go through all those steps to get where we are? It is really, really powerful. Yes. Yes. And yes. Just one other example. So I loved what you talked about with that sort of bonding experience and that the power of having a shared understanding is that one of the organizations that I work with, when we were doing their rollout, they were about to sunset some software. And people were so excited about sunsetting the saw. I mean, just if you're listening to this, if you're in that world, you totally get that, right? So excited about sunsetting it and so excited for what they were going to be using next. But when we talked about how we got to where we are, one of the first women who ever worked at the organization, she was the one who did the original coding on that software. And people knew that, but they didn't get that everything, that their entire business was powered off of that one piece of software for the majority of the entire life of the organization. So not that anyone was saying, oh, we want to get rid of your software, but everyone was just talking about how they wanted to be done with it. And it was just, you could feel it kind of wash over the crowd, this recognition and appreciation of, oh my gosh, yes, we are still very excited to sunset this, but now I don't just see it as this dinosaur that we're, thank goodness, getting rid of. It's oh my gosh, this was so, I'm getting goosebumps right now just remembering that, you know, dynamic with everyone in the room. This was so critical. And not just that this was so critical, but this one person made this happen. And that it's so important for us to celebrate that. And as we do sunset this, recognize how much she's going to have an impact on the next generation. And also, you know, just take a step back and recognize that everything had its place. And while it might not be the optimal piece of software for us to use right now, it served such a huge purpose and that we don't want to discount that. We want to celebrate that. And then, we, you know, we really want to be able to move on with those lessons learned. So it's just really incredible, like you said, what can happen when we open those conversations. Well, and I think there's a lot of people right now who are trying to figure out how do we engage our employees? How do we show that we care? And gift cards are great. Like, I'm not going to knock a gift card, but like... What it really comes down to is these human moments. So like I got goosebumps too. Like that is an incredible shared experience that that team has now. And talk about a perspective change. It was like a lens flip for them. And those are the powerful things that they're going to remember when they leave, not the like $50 Amazon gift card because that comes and goes. So I love that that is something that can be part of this process as well because it is so, so, so important. Yes. Oh. God, I love this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We do too. We love it. So I want to talk a little bit about, now that we're talking about engagement and recognition and retention, 
How does a vision sort of support team members in those areas past just the rollout? So that's one of the things that I always say is that to an organization, you have this golden goose that is going to keep laying gold, the the vision, just FYI, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) There's no actual livestock. No, you no, have, no, there's no actual goose, but, but right. The idea that it's not just, oh, we have a vision now and it's just this one thing. It's, there are so many layers. There are so many ways that you can leverage this vision. There are so, so, so many things that you can utilize and you can branch off of this. So one of the things that you can do once you have that vision is you can utilize it for recruitment and selection. So when we are thinking about our job postings and how we're talking about positions, it's one thing just to say, you know, here's the position, great paying benefits, fast growing company, like I'm falling asleep just saying it, right? Or we can say three years from now, this is where we are at, full stop. And here's who we are going to need to get there. Now, that's a pattern interrupt for job seekers, right? As they're going through and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And that's somebody, right? Because we also want from that very first moment of engagement with them to be thinking about themselves, not just for a year within our organization, but for three years or five years, right? So if we can automatically start to have that forward looking, hey, when you get here, that also implies it's not exactly like that yet. We're not there yet, but we're not selling yourself short. We're not saying that's a bad thing. We're not trying to cover that up. We're saying we have a mountain to climb, but we know exactly what mountain it is. We have incredible resources to help us get there. A lot of us have climbed this mountain before. We've got a bunch of new people. I won't keep going with this analogy too much, but you know. Well, and we need you. I mean, I think that is the brilliance. People have this idea that they just want a job that's like so easy they can sit around. They do not. They want to be engaged. They want to use their brain. They want to dig into like juicy, hard problems. So like it is, like you said, the perfect sieve almost (laughs) for people who resonate with it or not. And what better way to get people on board than for them to really understand the destination and to be excited by the destination? Like I want to go there. 100%. And it's so, like you said, it's it's that sieve, which means that it does what we want it to do. We want people to read it. And just like you've heard about with marketing messages or whatever, we want it to have that polarizing effect. We want some people to say, oh, get me on that journey as fat. Like I want to be there and people to be like, I want nothing to do with that. Great. I would rather you know that now than come on board to the great paying job with the benefits and the whatever. And then realize three months in, this is so not the journey you want to be taking. And then you quit. So that's huge. And, you know, if you Google Shackleton, he was an Arctic explorer and he had got these 27 men together on his ship, the Endurance, and it was this whole big saga. But the ship got stranded really quickly after they set off and then it sank and they were stranded for nine months. So it's like, why is there, you know, coffee table books about him and leadership books about him? Well, it's because there was no mutiny. No one died. No one ate each other. And that's kind of huge. And if you look back at the job, essentially the job posting that he put in the London Times, and I could almost say it off the top of my head, but I don't know if I can get it perfect. But he just basically was saying, you know, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, months of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful honor and recognition in case of success, not even honor and recognition when we succeed in case of. And when you have somebody who reads that and they want in, you're not going to have somebody who's going to turn into a cannibal, you know, halfway through 
that expedition. And we don't want and we don't want cannibals. Our- no, I love that somehow we've gotten to cannibals, but we don't yeah. want them. Yeah, no. I'm glad we solved that. We've solved that now. I am glad too. I'm glad we just kind of put that line in the sand. Line in the sand. Yes. No, I mean, that's the beauty and absolutely using it for recruitment, using it for onboarding. I used to absolutely adore one of my first meetings or one of the first meetings that employees would have when they joined the company was to sit down with me and go through the vision. And I cannot tell you how just in awe people were of the clarity, first of all, but just the fact that this existed and was something that they could now very easily picture and kind of made them just feel part of the team right away. I mean, that is, I think there's nothing more than you can ask than someone to feel like they're part of the team quickly. Yes. And, you know, the other thing I love that you mentioned is feeling part of the team quickly. Part of that is shared language and our shared language within our different organizations, the acronyms we use, the whatever it is. But when we have a shared language on our vision as well, that creates a whole nother layer of sort of a shortcut to connection and understanding and being able to dive into some of those really important conversations together. And also for people just to kind of know what's going on. So definitely, once we've created that sieve for the recruitment piece, then we select them when they come in. Absolutely. We can ask them right off the bat, what resonates most in this vision? Where do you see yourself? And we're going to learn so, so, so much about them with what they answer than what they would just answer in a typical interview question. And again, it's another pattern interrupt. I can almost guarantee you they have not been to another interview where somebody has put an actual documented, articulated, clarified vision in front of them and asked them where or if they see themselves within that vision. And it can just open people up to so much more than the boxes that we, you know, might put them in just because they their background is something or they might only think, oh, well, this is this kind of company and there's this kind of roles and this is the kind of stuff we can do. When they read that vision and see, wait, 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 this is where we're going to be in three years. Hold the phone. I want to start working towards that position that I didn't even know was a thing or maybe doesn't exist within the organization today, but can. And how, okay, like how can I help make this happen faster? There are just so many powerful ways that the vision can be used once it exists. And I know from experience and I honestly, we could have you on for like two more episodes and we could dive into all the ways that it is a wonderful, wonderful thing for you and your team to have. I'd like to wrap up with sort of the gotcha question, which I am sure people have been thinking about because, you know, we've talked time and time again about this is where we're going to be. This is the exact definition of success at a specific point in the future. What happens if you don't get there? So this is the beauty of a vision. Rather than a BHAG that just kind of stands alone and is, we're going to 2022 by 2022. And then if you don't hit it, it's just like, you know, you hear the balloon just like fizzle out and like the confetti just is, you know, still in the confetti gun. and It's just awkward. When we have a vision, there's so, 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 so much more context. And it's something that we're talking about all the time. So instead of just that one rallying cry that we just hear about when we're not doing enough to get there and, you know, the team is pushing us to get there faster and better and more, it's really about saying all along the way, we're going to have these checkpoints. So the first piece is we're always going to be recalibrating. Here's our vision. Here's where we are. Here's our plan. So we know when we're getting off track and we're able to say, hey guys, we're really getting off track and recognize it much more quickly. And then we're also able to get back on track much more quickly. So there's that piece of it where people just have that 
that sense of confidence that this isn't going to just sneak up on us if we aren't going to hit something in our vision. So that's one piece of it. So if we don't, then it's not a surprise to anybody. The second piece is I always recommend that companies, I think of it like sealing your vision. It's not about changing the words of your vision. It's about absolutely changing how you got to where you are, but you put those words in that vision for a reason. And if we just always change the words to match up with a new current state, then it is a moving target. It's not that steadfast kind of waypoint that we can navigate by. I'll give you a very specific example from an organization. They talked about wanting to grow, like we talked about just a moment ago, into having a certain type of position within their company. That was really, really exciting. Now, in this last year when we did their annual kickoff, they realized that they weren't going to make it. They had a three-year vision. Maybe that was more like a five-year, or maybe that just wasn't going to happen in the way that they thought it would. And so they use that as an opportunity to be completely transparent with everyone in the company and say, hey, this is why we put that in. This is why we were excited about it. This is what we've realized actually isn't strategically sound for us for X, Y, Z reasons. And here's how we're going to keep the kernel of the non-negotiable about that, but really sort of change our approach to it. So it's not like they're abandoning the thing altogether, but what happens when you do that is you become a better and more effective visionary. If you're always just changing it along the way, then at the end of a year, you're like, oh, this looks exactly like it matches everything. That's not reality. That's okay. Well, it's okay for that not to be reality. When we look back at our vision and say, we hit that on the mark, we hit that on the mark, maybe we were a little too specific about that metric. Okay, well, because we kept it, now we can have that reflection point of saying, okay, now maybe next time we want to be a bit more intentionally vague or hey, we were really, really vague and that ended up not creating as much of a decision-making filter as we really needed. So in our next vision, let's do that. So that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for it to be a tool, not just to help us understand where we're going. And yes, we're going to get there with the understanding that we're human, things happen. And anything that we don't get to, it's an opportunity for us to understand the why behind that. And then to utilize that as we move forward into our next bit. Because once you get done with the first one, you're you're working on the next one, right? It's not just like a one-year vision. Okay, well, then people are going to be asking, okay, well, what now? What's the next vision? So that's how I look at it. Again, it's about let's move towards what we do want, not away from what we don't want. So if you have people on your team saying, I'm really scared that if we put this down and we don't get there, I get it. We want to acknowledge and understand, of course, understand that fear, but if we make decisions based on moving away from that and the fear of that, then we're never going to clarify things that need to be clarified. If we say, hey, let's really look at this and create the vision that is inspiring and strategically sound. And again, knowing that if we're off track, it's not going to be a surprise and knowing that that's going to give us an opportunity to really reflect and be that much more skilled with, you know, build our visioning muscles that much more you know, really strengthen those visionary muscles as we move forward, it can put a very different spin on it from them. The last thing I'll say is I always come back to just think of what was the original intent. If there's something they have in their vision and that just thing like literally for whatever reason no longer exists or there's no way they could get to that specific thing, that's okay. Let's talk about why was this so critical? Why did we distill this down and say this was one of our most fundamental non-negotiables? Let's get back to that original intent. And I can almost guarantee you that original intent can still be lived out. What I'm hearing is we're not moving goalposts. Right. Exactly. Yes. That's a perfect way to put it. 
yeah, we're not moving goalposts. That's hugely important. I cannot tell you. Everybody I'm guessing that's listening has experienced at some point putting their entire weight, passion, time, energy behind something. And then all of a sudden that goalpost moves to a completely different field. And you're like, well, cool. When did we decide that? And like, no one has a really good answer. Or they're just yeah. not talking about it. So yeah. what I love about having the vision, even if, you know, someone wants to challenge it with that gotcha of like, well, what happens when we reach that date and it, we didn't do that exact thing? You know what? That pole's in the ground now and we're going to hold ourselves to it. We're not going to move it. But if we do get there and we haven't quite accomplished what we want to accomplish, we are going to have a clear, transparent discussion around why and what could have happened and what could have been done differently instead of just moving the metric, changing the decision so that it looks better on us as a company. Because when you're constantly doing and shifting things from a metric vanity perspective, it's really can be demoralizing to the people who are doing the work day in and day out. And I think that's what the vision gave us was a planted flag in the ground. This isn't going to change we're all in this together. We're working towards it. And hey, if we're 10 feet out by the date that we said, we're at least 10 feet out together. And we're a heck of a lot closer than we were eight miles ago when we started. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that to me, I think, is the beauty of it. Oh, I love the goalpost. That is the such, such, such the perfect way to sum it up. Yes. Well, you heard it here, folks. That is the end. <laughs> We have figured out vision. No one ever yes, has to talk done. about it ever again. We have exactly. done it. Congratulations, us. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Let's party. Well, yes. With that, though, I will let us go. We will leave everybody. If you didn't get a chance already, go ahead, head to the website, wanttoworkthere.com backslash resources, and you'll find that minimum viable vision guide that we've been talking so much about. Lois, thank you so much. I know you will be back because... It's my show, and I say so. <laughs> so I can't wait to have you again. Oh, my gosh, Jill. I always have such a blast. And, you know, what I love about talking with you about this stuff is we both know we could literally, you know, we could be in our pajamas at 2 a.m. this morning still talking completely on the vision train. So I just have such such an amazing time. It just gets me so, so excited whenever I get to talk with you about this. And I'm just grateful to have gotten to be here with you and your listeners. This show was brought to you by wanttoworkthere.com and the incredible team at Podcasting for Creatives. No individual or company acting alone can change our societal beliefs about work, but together we can create a new normal. If you like this episode, please consider passing it on to one or two people who share your passion for creating a better world of work. And until next time, please know I see you, I believe in you, and keep going. The work you're doing really matters. <laughs>